Welcome to the Portugal Podcast. It's the final show of the 2022-23 season. My name is Matthew Marshall and he is Tom Cundit. Tom, what's happening? Hello, Matt. Yeah, all good. All good here in Lisbon. Weather's starting to get hot, as you can imagine. How are you doing anyway over there in Hungary? I'm all right, man. I got the hire car a couple of days ago. The, yeah, the uh, Portugal, unfortunately, got knocked out in the group stage. And yeah, two of the teams in their group, Germany and France, ended up getting to the final. Germany getting it done in the penalty shootout. And uh, yeah, I've just been cruising around, mate. I went up to the northwest of the country. I'm down in a place called Lake Balaton. Unfortunately, the weather's turned shit. It's raining, cloudy, so that's a real bummer. And uh, from here, I'll be heading up to a tiny village near a place called Ege and uh, seeing what I can see. And uh, yeah, then I'll be able to see you, mate, for the uh, for the Selassal match in Lisboa. So just chilling out in Hungary, mate, as you do. It's, uh, it's, it's not cheap, Tom. I mean, supermarkets, um, you know, food, all over. It's uh, it's hitting everyone. So it used to be one of the great things about Portugal, you know, everything was so cheap, but uh, not so much anymore. No more. It's more important than ever if you've got any space to start growing food, mate. You know, it doesn't even matter if it's to grow some parsley on your windowsill. I mean, that'll save you heaps of cash. Okay, Tom, let's uh, tell the listeners what we got coming up. We're going to run through the teams in the Premier Liga. Some we'll spend a bit of time on, some not much. We'll have a little bit of t- trivia. We've got the news you might have missed later on. We'll have inside information all throughout the podcast, Tom. I've got a special rant coming on later up in the show. And uh, also I want to take a little bit of a look at media manipulation and how some of these clubs manipulate the media. Uh, and then we'll finish off with the seller sale, Tom. Uh, we've got a couple of games coming up, obviously. Portugal have already played two matches in the uh, qualification campaign for the European Championship. Roberto Martinez in charge. Before we start, Tom, unfortunately, producer Mel, she's, she's bailed. She uh, she was a bit unhappy at the uh, the promises we made her. You know, we sold her the dream, told her we were going to go professional, and we haven't done a podcast in about four months. So, um, you know, she had to find alternate employment, which I'm happy to say she's done relatively quickly. Um, you know, so a shame, but, you know, it is what it is. And I'm not sure how many more podcasts we'll do next season. I've got some, I've got some stuff happening, and... You know, when I went to Portugal beginning of last season, started living there again, I just wanted to go as hard as possible and just go to as many games as I could and just really try and understand exactly what's going on in the world of Portuguese football. But it's just not possible to go to that many games. And um, yeah, I'm not going to say what i got going on, but a few things going on that's going to take up more of my time and limit the amount of matches I go to. So I'm not sure if we'll do any more podcasts. So we'll see how we go, but never say never. Before we get into the Premier League, Tom, I just wanted to touch on some of the lower league stuff. Of course, we've got Monadense and Fadence promoted back in the top flight. Monadense just smashed it. They scored 20 more goals than anybody else in the second division. Tom, I remember I went to one game there. They smashed Benfica B, what, 7-4, some crazy game like that. And um, well done to them. And Fadence back up, and hopefully they can do a bit better than last time when they went straight back down. But... Fantastic to have another club from the Algarve in the top flight. And of course, still going on, Tom, we've got Maritimo who were taking on uh, Amadora. And Amadora got it done. They won 2-1 in the playoff first league. And now they've got to go to Madeira, which is not going to be easy. But a chance we see Estrella de Amadora back in the top flight. Wouldn't that be fantastic? Um, so we'll see what happens there. Liga Tresh, we've got Union de Leiria and CF Osh Belenenses. 
back into the Segunda Liga. Well done to those teams. And again, that's still going on. We've got the playoff going on there with the Villa Vidente, a club I've become very close to, Thomas, a club I'm still working on that uh, investigation and that piece I'll release next week, hopefully. They drew 1-1 at home in the playoff first league against BSAD. And they got their second leg down in, I think, Rio Mayor. They're not playing it at Chamor. So, um, yeah, still a couple of spots uh, up for grab for a promotion in the lower leagues. Okay, Tom, champions. Benfica, they started off sensationally. They won about 50 games in a row, of course. Roger Schmidt coming in, doing a fantastic job. Fantastic work in the transfer market. Enzo Fernandez, Alexander Barr, David Neres also. We saw Antonio Silva come into the side. Guys like Florentino. Um, Ausnes also another signing who was hugely important. And you can't give Roger Schmidt enough credit. They, uh, they were the best team this year. Deserved champions. We saw him get a whole lot of action out of guys like João Mario. Gonzalo Ramos scored 19 goals in the Primeira Liga. Otamendi. Hugely important. Rafa doing his thing. Guys like Joel Nebsch coming from nowhere, playing a pretty important role late on as, as alongside Chiquinho after um, Fernandez was sold to Chelsea. Tom, deserved champions. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Benfica. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, they were played some really nice football this season, like you said, especially the first half of the season. You know, they were just sensational. Uh, you know, even a Champions League. And as we know, Benfica really to be honest, struggled quite a lot to make any impact in the, in the Champions League in recent years. But uh, yeah, they were excellent this year. Remember their group, they had PSG and Juventus. Okay, Juventus aren't quite the team they used to be, but still pretty impressive finishing top of that group. And uh, they didn't actually lose any game in the Champions League until that quarterfinal against Inter Milan, which a bit uh, unfortunately, their only real dip in form in the season kind of coincided with that tie. And, uh, you know, maybe a couple of months before the end of the season, they had a bit of a rough month there. But, yeah, apart from that, they were, they were pretty much flawless. Yeah, really, really impressive. Really impressive the way that Schmidt just came in and just hit the ground running right from the off, you know, different system. Using that, uh, you know, 4-2-3-1 system right throughout the season, barely changing his team, did he, Matt? He had, basically, he actually got some criticism for that rough patch they went through, uh, a lot of people put it down to the fact that he never really rotated all season. It was pretty much the same starting 11 or I suppose you could say 13, 14 players used throughout pretty much the whole season. Uh, but yeah, you know, no doubt about it. They were, they were the best side, played some really good football. It's going to be interesting next season because there's quite a lot of change. You know, Otamendi, uh, I think it's looking pretty certain that he's going to leave. Uh, you just mentioned what an important player he was. Uh, Rivaldo, of course, without doubt, the best left back in Portugal, one of the best players in Portugal. Uh, and, uh, you know, possibly one of their kind of jewels, uh, their young jewels might be snapped up. You know, Gonzalo Ramos and Antonio Silva, of course. They'd be very highly uh, sought after. I'm sure you know some of the real big clubs in Europe will be thinking about making a bid for them. So yeah, uh, it's going to be interesting what will happen next season. But this season, yeah, no doubt about it. Really good season for Benfica. Uh, fully deserved champions of Portugal. 
Yeah, I think that just I think the criticism was was justified. I think, well, I mentioned it at the time that predictability is a, is a huge part of football. You knew exactly what they were going to do, not only formation wise but personnel wise. They obviously had that uh, bad spell of form there uh, in April, beginning of April, where they lost two one against um, uh, Porto, then they lost two nil against uh, Milan. We were there, Tom, and then they lost uh, one nil in Chaves. So, um, you know, they managed to bounce back, recover from that. And, uh, yeah, that, they didn't have a really difficult run-in. I guess, you know, that home match against Braga, they, they dominated that game. Got the draw against uh, Sporting Club de Portugal with those two late goals. And then Santa Clara was a, was a no-brainer. You look back and really that Tassa de Portugal match, I remember that one in, in Braga. That was, uh, yeah, that, that penalty decision on, on Gage and a bit unlucky there, I guess, for them. But... Overall, good season, and yeah, I didn't mention um, <coughs> Grimaldo, but just so consistent, uh, he hardly missed a game. He's going to Bayer Leverkusen. A bit strange, maybe. I guess Xabi Alonso might have a lot to do with that, but they're going to lose a couple of players, and they're not going to be short of cash, though. What did they pick up? 80 million on on Fernandez in about six months. So yeah, they're not going to be short of cash. Roger Schmidt, excellent. They're an attractive club for a lot of players. He's going to, you know, a lot of players are going to want to. Play under him after what uh, they've seen him do. Some of the careers of some of these players, young and old. Tremendous job. Congratulations. And let's see how they go in the transfer market. Let's move on to Porto, Tom. Interesting season. They were uh, made a good fight of it. They uh, they ended up finishing only two points behind Benfica. They went on a huge winning streak. Well, they had a couple of huge winning streaks throughout the season. Of course, they won the uh, Taça da Liga and Taça de Portugal. So congratulations, couple of trophies there. If we look through their roster, Tom, of course, Medi Taremi. Interesting when we did our uh, team of the season. People go obviously going with different players and some of the comments on that, obviously... Uh, a lot of penalties he scored, but from what I've seen, he's easily the most complete striker. Of course, he has a bit of a tendency to uh, to dive here and there, but if you put all that aside, I mean, he's easily the best striker in Portugal. It's not even close. Gonzalo Ramos, of course, was very good, but you know, Taremi's ability to drop deep to create opportunities for teammates is 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 un, unmatched. Uh, he just gets better and better. And Otavio, of course, the most annoying player without a doubt, but still so important, as he has been for years for Sergio Conceição. Galeno was a guy who came in. Of course, we saw a little bit of sort of tactical changes from uh, Conceição. It wasn't really working. I remember that, that 3-1 defeat they had in Rio Ave. Um, so he sort of switched things around a bit. But yeah, Pepe Aquino was, was pretty important. Mateo Sharibe, where's he gone? He's, he's, he's taken the cash in Saudi Arabia or something. So he's yeah. gone. And then, of course, we had uh, Carmo coming in for 20 million. Just didn't work out there. So we, we saw uh, Macano and Pep, pretty much the first choice uh, central defenders there. And I can't think of that many other players that kind of stood out that much. It was really sort of team effort and, the, and those, those main guys that I mentioned. But, yeah, disappointing, obviously, to finish second and, and give up the title to Benfica. But still, pretty decent season from the, uh, the Dragons, Tom. Yeah, yeah. And like you said, really strong end of the season. I don't think they quite played uh, the same football as they had last season. Well, they didn't play anything like the football they had last season. Of course, that has to do with the personnel they lost. Of course, they lost Vieira 
and Vitinha, who were two key players last season and two, you know, really smooth operators, played some really nice football last season. They were a bit more kind of, I would say, a typical Conseil team this season, really aggressive, uh, you know, just really uh, just fought for every single minute of every single game, made it really uncomfortable for, for the opposition. And sometimes when they didn't really have the technique or the you know, the footballing ability to break through, they just kind of wore the, the opposition down. Uh, but, you know, that's part of football as well. And so you have to give credit for, for doing that. And really, they, you know, they, they've had an almost perfect season. Like I said, only ended up two points behind Benfica. And we've just mentioned what an impressive season Benfica had. Uh, you know, they only lost three games like Benfica did. So it was just one more draw. And that Benfica actually uh, had one more win. Uh, that was the only difference in the end. And uh, I think we have to give a lot of credit to Conceição, of course. He's an interesting character, isn't he, Matt? Uh, you know, such a uh, kind of firebrand, absolutely wears his heart on his sleeve, goes off the handle almost uh, week by week, uh, you know, very very kind of aggressive, very um, hot-blooded uh, manager. But you look at his record, and I think some people have said, and I agree with it, he's almost been a miracle worker these last few years because we have to remember Porto haven't had the chance to spend anything like the money that Benfica had. They've actually had to sell you know, a lot of players. And unlike Benfica, who also, of course, lose a lot of their best players, they can bring in some some high, uh, you know, some expensive transfers. Porto were, I think, two or three years, they couldn't do that because of financial fair play. And really, he's, you know, just made, you could say, made wine out of water a lot of the time. I think they had an impressive season, of course, finished off on a high with that win. I was uh, at Jamal on Sunday, completely outplayed Braga, really. That was a bit disappointing in terms of a spectacle because Porto were just uh, so dominant in that game. Fully deserved their victory. And uh, yeah, you know, if Conceição stays, it's a bit of a big if, but if he does stay, then, uh, you know, you're guaranteed that they're going to be really strong next year as well. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with some of their better players. You'd have to assume that there must be clubs sniffing around Taremi. And... I'm not sure, though, because he's... How old is he now? He's he must 30. Be what... Ah, he's 30, yeah, so, you know... He'll be 31 next month. Okay, yeah, not sure if clubs really go in for, you know, that kind of age player. I suppose from his point of view, if he can get a, you know, he might be able to get a huge hike in wages, that might be a stumbling block for Porto in keeping him. But uh, I don't know, he's one of these players, you know, if he was mid-20s, early-20s, sure, you know, there'd be no doubt about it. He'd be on his way. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised if, if he stayed, you know, he's been such a key signing for them and he seems to enjoy it there and the fans love him and, yeah, let's wait and see. But I wouldn't be surprised if he stayed. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you've seen like Lewandowski and, and that age for a striker, Benzema, you know, it, sometimes he just seems to be getting better. I think he just gets better and better. Um, yeah, yeah. And I, sorry, just to put in, but I absolutely agree what you said just a while ago about his build-up play. That really, because, of course, we had this discussion last week and I was really just keeping a close eye on him and kind of just uh, backing up exactly what you said. And that is really good, the way he drops deep, you know, and uh, links up the play. And like you said, m a much more complete striker, I'd say, than 
Gonzalo Ramos in that Ramos is just a, just basically a poacher, you know, a very very good poacher, uh, but you know does all his work basically in the 18 yard box, whereas Taremi, you know, much more mobile and uh, yeah, really really good complete striker, just a, a superb acquisition that was by Porto. I guess El Stachio, he, he deserves a bit of a mention. You know, he sort of came in and, you know, forced his way into the, into the team. And um, he, was, he was really important in, in a lot of games. Just wrapping up my thoughts on Sergio Conceição time, I think we've given him a lot of deserved praise over the years and during this season. Um, but like we uh, mentioned with Roger Schmidt and uh, some of the deficiencies we saw there with the predictability, I think Sergio Conceição has to take a little bit of the blame for their exit in the Champions League. You know, I remember being there in, in Milan and Ottavio was just, just going off his head. You know, he got he got a ridiculous yellow card in the first half and um, it was just, I mentioned at halftime in that game that he was not going to see the end of the game. It was either going to be sent off or Sergio Conceição would have to take him off. He didn't take him off. He got sent off. They conceded the goal and then of course he was suspended for the second leg. So, you know, it's obviously hard to mention these things online and Twitter or even in, even in match reports because a lot of the the supporters just can't accept any criticism for their players, players or, or managers. But, you know, I really think that that decision with Ottavio in the Champions League just was was huge. So um, I just think it's it's good and bad and we have to call that as we see it and, you know, balance some of the praise with uh, with some criticism. But yeah, it's going to be a really important off-season, I think, for, for Porto, of course. Let's see what happens with the Dragons. Third place, Tom, Braga. It was Artur Jorge's first season in charge, first season managing a top flight team, and uh, they had a fantastic start. You had guys like Patinha on fire. Of course, he made that move to Marseille. Ricardo Horta, he, that move to Benfica didn't go through. There was a whole lot of drama there with Malaga and, and some ownership drama, so that was really good for, for the Warriors. They managed to hold on to him. He wasn't as explosive, but he still picked up 14 goals. Eight assists in the Primeira Liga. Of course, such an important player. They brought in Bruma, who uh, finished the season pretty strong. Pizzi didn't get as much game time as I thought he would, but um, some of their signings, Nia Kate did pretty well. Sachi got a couple of games. Medeiros also, he, he kind of got dropped, you might say, uh, when some Bruma and that came in, but he bounced back really well and had a really strong end to the season out on that right wing. Of course, Simon Banza also came in, didn't get a whole lot of game time, but... Pretty settled squad. Victor Gomez came in at right back, and he did pretty well. Finishing third for Braga is about as good as it gets, Tom. And they were kind of sniffing around, weren't they? Waiting for Benfica to, to slip up, but they couldn't quite get it done. They had a... I mean, you mentioned they got outplayed in the in the Tassa de Portugal final. That game at Benfica outplayed. They got smashed uh, 5-0 twice, was it, against Sporting Club de Portugal? Yeah. So, yeah, they've still got a little bit of work to do, haven't they, when it, when it comes to those head-to-head matches against... Um, the other top clubs, but third position is uh, sensational for Braggerton. Record points, Matt. They got a record point total, points total this season, 78 points. Uh, they got 25 wins, which is also a record. They've never got 25 wins in, in the top flight. So, yeah, absolutely superb season. And just uh, it's a bit of a disappointment, really. Uh, you know, I think, I suppose, Porto just never let them play on Sunday. And, uh, you know, they never really looked like troubling Porto and uh, 
but yeah, in the league, superb. And like you said, you know, that's uh, that's really the difference between what makes Braga, uh, you know, uh, one of Portugal's top teams, and what prevents them from absolutely uh, competing for the title is their record against the other big three, because they they never that they really do seem to struggle. You know, it's it's very rare that they. They seem to get the better of those matches, and and quite often they're, they're quite badly outplayed. I don't know if it's a little bit psychological as well, uh, perhaps to some extent. You know, the games against Sporting as well, like you said, are quite remarkable because Sporting, as we come on to, I'm sure, had a pretty poor season by their standards. But you know, when they came up against Braga, just just absolutely smashed them, and Braga, of course, unable uh, to to really get much joy out of Porto and and Benfica. Of course, they did beat Benfica. Uh, in the, the home game, so that was the, the one exception in, in the league, you know, where they actually managed to get, you know, very positive results. But yeah, overall, you know, you just got to be impressed with Braga, haven't you? Again, making uh, without making huge investments in terms of tra- transfer fees, they've just been so competitive, so uh, kind of constant in their growth over the last decade and a half. You know, and I suppose we have to give tremendous credit to Antonio Salvador, their president, because you know, they've had no end of coaches. He's not afraid of swapping around their coaches, but uh, under his guidance, they've really, their growth has just been constant, non-stop. In terms of the players, uh, I think you mentioned them all. I think my one shout-out would be to Al Musrati, uh, super, super midfielder, uh, you know, just so classy on the ball and so calm always in the right place in the right time, you know, strong midfielder, but real classy passer as well. Uh, quite surprised he's not linked more often with a move to either, a, you know, a bigger club abroad or one of one of Portugal's other big three. I wouldn't be surprised if that happened this season. You mentioned Uribe left uh, Porto, you know, very important player for them. Perhaps uh, Musrati would be a good replacement for him. Let's wait and see. But yeah, excellent again. Excellent season by Braga, and uh, yeah, long may it continue. You know, it's much more interesting if you've got four really strong teams in a league rather than three. So let's hope it continues. Yeah, Monserrati was a guy I just, uh, I guess, forgot to mention, but it wouldn't be that much of a surprise to see him go to Porto. Of course, he wouldn't, he wouldn't have to move house. We've seen, you know, clubs in Portugal prefer players that know the league, and um, it wouldn't be that much of a shock. I guess Abel. Ruiz, another guy, you know, uh, did quite well up front, although a lot of people may be expecting a bit more from him. But they got some nice young players coming through. Rodrigo Gomes didn't get a whole lot of game time. He had a little bit of a bright spark there, second leg against uh, Fiorentina. That was a bit of a bummer. I remember the, going to both those uh, games in the Conference League that, that had a lot of bad luck in that first leg when they lost 4-0 and pretty much the tie was all over. And, of course, they gave up so many cheap goals in in the Europa League group stage to really throw away uh, the continuation in that competition. So I think you've got to give Arthur George a whole lot of credit. It's not easy. First season in, in charge of a top flight team and he had to manage Europa League, all the cups, and he would have learned a whole lot. I think you're going to see a lot more from him. You mentioned Salvador and this club are really well managed. They do a whole lot of good things off the pitch. I'd be pretty confident that they will uh, make some pretty good moves in the summer. They really never get outplayed at home. It, it's really just away from home. So as you say, a bit of a sort of mental hurdle maybe just 
on the road against those bigger teams. And just to wrap up Braga, Tom, I think this sort of went under the radar, but at the beginning of October, they announced that the uh, Qatar Sports Investment became the second largest shareholder. They bought uh, just under 22% of the club, which gives them that same amount of voting rights. So, you know, it's uh, we talk about that, you know, Middle Eastern money going into the Premier League. And uh, but a lot of these sort of stories get, get uh, they don't get a whole lot of coverage, but interesting there that, um, yeah, Qatari sports investment taking about uh, just over 20% of Braga and interesting to see if that increases in the coming years. Tom, Sporting Club de Portugal. I saw them really early. I think it was at 3-3, uh, that game in Braga. Then I saw Sporting, they lost in Porto. And I made the comment that they just had no chance of winning the league. That came just after they sold, or just before they sold uh, Nunes to Wolves. And of course, Ruben Amarim wasn't happy about that, or the fact that they didn't replace him. And if you look at some of the money they spent to try and replace him, I mean, I mean, they hardly did a thing. Uh, but he ended up renewing his contract, didn't he? Look, I think... This is probably a disappointment for Sporting. It has to be finishing fourth. You go ahead, Tom, and then I'll come in a bit later. What's your appraisal of their, their season? No doubt about it. Very disappointing season. I don't think the actual level of their play was too different to the past two seasons. Uh, the, the the big difference, of course, Sporting, they've had really tremendous success under Ruben Amarine, but they've never blown away teams. They've always... Even the, the season they won the title, you know, they won so many of those games by a one-goal margin, often winning with late goals. And so it just needs, you know, a few things, a few small things to go wrong, and it makes a big difference uh, to to Sporting. And you know, too many things went wrong this season. I think you mentioned there, Mateus Nunes. I mean, if we compare Sporting from this season to last season, Sporting lost Joel Polinia. You know, what a season he's had in the Premier League. Uh, Matthias Nunes, you mentioned there, right on the last day of the seasons, on the last day of the transfer window, so Sporting couldn't bring in any replacement. Uh, Pablo Sarabia, you know, arguably the player of the season last season in the whole of Portugal. And then in the in the winter transfer window, uh, Pedro Porto as well, who's without doubt the best right back in Portugal. So you know, you can't really lose four players of those of that quality of that caliber and not adequately, adequately replace them and expect, you know, uh, not to have a drop-off. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, towards the end of the season, you know, Sporting's results picked up. I think, uh, you know, I, I really do think that it was a question of Amarino you know, working with the players he got. And it was almost starting from scratch at the, at the start of the season. And it was only towards the end of the season when they were really kind of up to speed again. Uh, and so, yeah, disappointing season overall. A few standout players, you know, Nuno Santos, uh, not the most fashionable of player, you know, never gets really mentioned for a Portugal uh, call-up, but he's been superb, really. Always does a good job for, for Sporting. You know, real kind of tenacious player as well. Gives that, uh, you know, 100% every game. And, uh, yeah, I think he's had a really good season. Uh, of course, Manuel Ugarte just got the news. It seems... Pretty much a done deal now that he's going to be sold to PSG for a huge fee, around 60 million. So that kind of tells you the season and the impact he's made. 
And uh, yeah, not much doubt about the player of the season at Sporting. You know, Pedro Gonçalves, really back to his very best. Super player again. Uh, is a little bit of a blast from the past, uh, Matt. I don't know if you remember an English player called Peter Beardsley. Uh, right from the 80s, 90s, played for Liverpool a lot, England international. He reminds me so much of Pedro Gonçalves, uh, his kind of style of play, his goals, so many of his goals, he just kind of passes it into the net. He never kind of, <laughs> you know, smashes it into the net. He's just such a classy operator. So it's always a pleasure to watch him. So I'm pleased to see him, you know, get back up to the kind of levels that we know he's capable of. Just hope that Sporting can keep hold of him this summer because I'm sure he'll have suitors. Uh, good to see Marcus Edwards as well have a pretty decent season. You know, a little bit up and down. You know, wasn't good the whole time, but uh, you know, it's not. It's been very unusual. I've been living in Portugal for uh, close on 30 years now, and it's very unusual for an English player to come over and really make a big impact. But I think he's won who you can, uh, you know, mark down as being a success in Portuguese football. You know, the real person who holds it all together for, for sporting is that man, Ruben Amorim, uh, constantly, again, under speculation, you know, his future, will he be snapped up? I'm sure he will be uh, sooner or later. I think for sporting, the longer he stays there, really the better, because, uh, like I said, if you look at the amount of, money that uh, Sporting spend on transfers, you look at the amount of players they lose season on season, it's really, I think he's done a fantastic job, he's always competitive, even this season where Sporting have had a, you know, a pretty poor season, they've been very competitive in the big games and of course in Europe, you know, pretty decent run in the, in the Europa League, knocked out Arsenal, very unlucky really not, not to knock out Juventus, uh, beat Tottenham and drew Tottenham in the Champions League, so, you know, and and here, domestically, they didn't lose to Benfica, of course, twice drew with them and twice a bit unlucky not to get the win. So, yeah, overall, very disappointing season for Sporting. But uh, as long as Amarine stays there, I, I wouldn't be too surprised to see them bounce back next season. Yeah, well said. You covered it pretty comprehensively there. Amarine is sensational. And just, yeah, whenever you get the, the time to, to get in a press conference and, and, uh, and ask him a question or see how he... Goes about his business there. He's just such a smart guy. Such a smart guy. He doesn't even need a press officer. You know, nothing phases him. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure what the terms of that contract extension was, whether that was to bump up you know, any fee any other club might uh, might need to pay to, to get him out of there. You look through this squad, and as I said, I said it early in the season, just not that good. Just not anywhere near Benfica and, and Porto, you know, player-wise. So it really wasn't that much of a surprise. They finished where they did. I guess Diomande was a pretty pretty sharp signing. He's only 19. He looked pretty good in central defence. So I'm looking forward to see what he does next season. St. Just just couldn't get going. But, I mean, when they bought him, they knew he was injury prone. And, you know, Inacio can, continues to kind of improve, of course. Cuate is so important there. But they still don't really have a, a dominant striker. Paulinho was injured a lot of the time. Of course, we saw Schmitty come in and, and play a few games. But they need to really figure out what's going on with this squad and get rid of some of these dead weight. They've just got so many players they could just really say goodbye to. But they're not going to get much cash for them. Okay, Tom, we've wrapped up the top four. I think we'll just take a quick break and uh, we'll come back with a little bit of trivia. <laughs>
Okay, Tom, let's have a little bit of trivia to lighten the mood here. I'll play a little game called Who Am I? Let's see, uh, let's see how long it takes you to get this one. My name is Nuno Ricardo de Oliveira Ribeiro. I was born in November 1977. I started my career at... I started my career at Benfica and I would also go on to play for Porto and Sporting Club de Portugal. I played in a whole lot of countries, Tom. I played in six countries. I made 52 appearances for the Selassane, scored some very nice goals. Just to mention some of these countries I played in, I played in Russia, I played in England, I played in Spain, I played in Italy and I played in Germany. Any guesses so far? What's the name again? Nuno Ricardo de Oliveira Ribeiro. 52 games for the Selecao. And one of the absolute highlights was a golazo in the 2-1 win against the Netherlands in Euro 2004. Ah, no, it was from outside oh, no, no, the no. box, top corner. One of the best goals you will ever see in that game against the Netherlands, if you remember. In 2004. Ah, okay. Ah, it's Manish. Manish. <laughs> well done, Tom. Manish. Yeah, he, he went to Porto after Benfica and then he got sold to Dinamo Moscow for 16 million. He went, uh, remember, if you remember, he went to Chelsea on loan and then he went yeah. to Atletico Madrid. When Mourinho was manager. Mm. So he played under Mourinho at, I think he played under Mourinho at Benfica, at Porto and then at Chelsea. Yeah, he went to Inter Milan uh, for a very short time. And then uh, he, maybe, maybe that was under Mourinho as well. He went to FC Köln. In, in the Bundesliga for a season, unbelievable. And then, yeah, he finished his, uh, went back to Lisbon to play for Sporting Club de Portugal. So, what a career Manish had. And, yeah, um, yeah I remember seeing him at uh, in Lole in one of those uh, games for the Selecao. He does a fair bit of commentary now, doesn't he? He's on the TV yeah. trying to add a bit of um, common sense amongst all the uh, all the garbage from, uh, you know. <laughs> some, yeah, some... super player, yeah. It's one of these players, uh, it's quite unusual in that. Of course, he had a fantastic club career at Porto, especially. I don't really think he ever quite hit the heights that he, he did when he was at Porto at his other clubs. You know, although, you know, pretty, pretty decent club career, without a doubt. But yeah, I think he's one of these players who always seemed to play better for the Seller Sound than he did for his club team. You know, he was always really good for, for Portugal, always, uh, you know, just whenever he put that shirt on, it just seemed to bring the very best out of him. And yeah, like you said, some of those goals, well, the goal you mentioned, incredible goal. Uh, I also remember the goal, was it him that scored the goal against uh, the Netherlands in the Battle of Nuremberg? Uh, I think it was that, you know, that, that 1-0 victory. And uh, yeah, he always seemed to come up with quite spectacular goals and very important goals as well. So yeah, great player. Yeah, it was really him and Deco, wasn't it, for a long time, driving that midfield forward. Yeah. And, um, yeah, he was just such a such a great player to watch. Always gave his all. Really, every time he got on the ball, he's looking to drive forward and make something happen in an attack. And, um, yeah, Manish, fantastic player. Okay, Thomas, get back to the Premier League. Fifth was Aruka. Incredible. I mean, they were bad last season. And uh, Armando Evangelista um, somehow 
managed to turn this around. But of course, they did some really tremendous work in the transfer market. I mean, just incredible that Aruko they're into the Europe for I think it's the second time in the history of yeah. the club. Tom, of course, the, the goalkeeper Ignacio de Arrua Barrena, he was sensational, and uh, as was Raul Basso, the, the Brazilian centre back. Alan Ruiz, whole lot of class there. Didn't grab a whole lot of goals and assists, but. Um, just so instrumental in just calming things down, getting on the ball, and just so obviously their most classy player. And of course, they did they did this with the drama with the Palestinian striker Ode Debach, who, you know, he just went on such a sensational run of form, and then it got announced that he was joining uh, some club in Belgium, and I think they said they weren't going to shut him down, but they did shut him down, and uh, you know maybe there was some injury stuff going on there, but. Anthony was also pretty good out wide, and after they shut Debarque down, you saw Rafa Mujica, the, the Spanish striker. He, he was pretty good up front, and a whole lot of consistent performers in other parts of the pitch. But Tom, Aruka, finishing fifth, that's just incredible. I actually, for my World Soccer magazine uh, season wrap in Portugal, I uh, selected Armando Evangelista as a coach of the season because I think it's just been absolutely sensational that the job is done I mean you mentioned the players then there you know no big names really you know and uh, Alan Ruiz actually is quite surprising that he you know they must give a really good kind of atmosphere uh, they must treat the players really well because it's quite unusual to play of his caliber and the career he's had to, to be at a club like Aroca but you know one thing which really impresses me about these clubs is when they can get these slightly bigger name players to to go there but to you know really give a hundred percent every every game and uh yeah he was a key part of their success but yeah absolutely superb you know really i suppose classic getting the most out of players who really shouldn't be where they are that team shouldn't be where they are if you look at their squad you know really cohesive great job management wise you know keeping it tight at the back i suppose they did a whole lot of goals but had a really strong defence, and all the players you mentioned there deserve a shout-out. One other player who impressed me whenever I saw him was Quaresma, the, the left-back. You know, really dynamic left-back. Uh, one of the best left-backs in, in Portugal, I think, if it wasn't for Grimaldo, obviously, who was the best left-back. You know, I might have selected him as my left-back of the season. You know, super Aroca, absolutely beautiful part of Portugal, of course. Well worth a visit. Unfortunately, Evangelista has left after three superb seasons. He really couldn't have done any better. Got them promoted the first season. Last season, just managed to keep them in the, in the top flight. They finished uh, one place above the promotion relegation. And then this season, just absolutely sensational. Uh, finishing fifth and deservedly finishing fifth. So, yeah, brilliant story this season. Yeah, they had a bit of a wobble, didn't they, late on? Lost three straight games there, but... Um, yeah, then just pulled it round at the end. For a club of the size of Aruka to finish fifth, I mean, it's interesting when you look at the <laughs> the, the table, you know, I mean, the top four teams had uh, positive for and against, and every other single team were in the negative. Aruka minus one, they only scored 36 goals, but a lot of their success was built on keeping clean sheets, and that uh, uh, Arabella, how do I say his name? It's a real tongue twist, it was Arabaruena. Yeah. <laughs> Arua yeah. Barrena, let's let's go with that. Um, yeah, he was really good and uh, saved a lot of penalties. Also, I thought Silla, Morley yeah, Silla, yeah. was was pretty good too. And um, yeah. yeah, they did well. So yeah, they, they obviously got some some smart people in their um, in the back room in the scouting department there, and uh, they're going to oh, be busy again. Absolutely. 
Yeah, yeah if you see the, the range of nationalities, uh, you know, that make up their squad, it's quite quite remarkable. Well, you mentioned it there, didn't you? Daba, who had such a good first part of the season. Palestinian was the first. I've never even heard of any other Palestinian professional footballer anywhere, really. But yeah. don't know where they managed to pick him from, him him up from. But he did, you know, he did a really good job. Of course, you had the, the English big central defender as well, Opoku, who I thought he did pretty well most of the season. Uh, and I think he, he actually could be a big player for them perhaps next season. Let's see. Yeah. Uh, Basel, like you said, pretty unremarkable career, really. But he was just superb, absolutely brilliant. Every time I saw a rocker, he was, he was like a rock at the back of the fence, scored some important goals, of course, scored the winner when, when they beat Sporting 1 0. Uh, but yeah, probably their player of the season, like you said, is the unpronounceable <laughs> Aru Barena. Uh, and again, Uruguayan goalkeeper, you know, I'm not sure, you know, how they managed to pick him up, but he's been absolutely sensational, you know, this season. I think you mentioned the penalty saves. I think there was a stage where he saved penalties in three successive matches. So really, really impressive all round for Morocco. And they fired Daniel Ramos. To, to replace Evangelista, so not the most exciting appointment, but you know he's been in the game for what over 20 years now, managing clubs all over the place, and um, we'll just have to see how he goes. Okay, sixth, Vitoria de Guimaraes. They'll be disappointed to finish one point behind at Orcatom. I saw a lot of them earlier in the season. Their defence was just so bad. Of course, we saw Moreno come in unofficially. Who uh, he hasn't. I don't know if he's done it now, but he had, hadn't finished his, his required coaching badges. Of course, we saw a new president, Antonio Miguel Cardoso. He took over not that long ago, and look, he just inherited a financial disaster here. And uh, I've got a lot of time for Cardoso, Tom. I've, I've been pretty close to him a couple of times. Of course, I've mentioned in detail that the Minho derby, that the first one in Braga, where he just took over the press conference and went on a huge rant while Moreno was just pacing up and down with smoke coming out of his ears, and then he went on a huge rant. Um, and if you want to talk about Conceição being an emotional guy, Moreno, he, he takes it up another notch. But look, I also mentioned how important those games against Braga was, because the first one was when he changed the system up. He brought in Bamba into the into the middle of a back three, and that really changed everything for them. They, they become much more solid. He made another change, which was, it didn't last long, but he sort of went with a... The silver, he had Andre Silva, uh, Jota Silva, what's, is there another Silva, Anderson Silva, uh, up front, and then he said, uh, those three guys, Thiago Silva. and Tiago Silva in midfield, yeah, he was, he was obviously a really important player, um, we saw Andre Andre also get a bit of game time, I guess the emergence of Andre Amaro in central defence, he's, he's got a ticket to the under 21 Euros, so really good to see him coming through, and I heard through the grapevine that Bamba was close to being sold at some point, but it didn't go through. Of course, we saw uh, Almeida, Andre Almeida get sold to Valencia early on, part of the uh, that financial disaster they had, but I guess overall, finishing six is not too bad, and this is just all about consolidation off the pitch. Before we go into their squad, Tom, I've got a few connections up there, and uh, I was talking to some guys just before they had this vote, where it, it got approved pretty convincingly, where they sold 46% of the SAD, Tom, for 5.5 million to the V Sports Fund, which is the one owned by Nasef Savidish, which who's the Egyptian millionaire, multi-millionaire. He's, he's estimated to be worth 7.3 billion euros, Tom. He's the owner of Aston Villa. That came with a, I think, $2 million donation to improve some of the infrastructure and uh, a potential credit uh, of 20 million euros. So... That got passed without too much drama, but I know there's a, a bit of scepticism, as it would be. I mean, 5.5 million for half a club. Anyway, interesting 
uh, off-field stuff there. I had a positive result at the end of uh, after the first half of the season, four million. But a lot of that was um, to do with the players sold. I mentioned Almeida Rochinha. Also, he went to Sporting. Alfa Somero, Mumin, a couple of other guys there. But as I say, Tom, I mean, this is just all about consolidation now and trying to get this club above water financially, giving Moreno a bit of time in there and just trying to hold on some of, to some of their better players. You got anything to add on Gimaraes? Just overall, you know, it's a really club which just confuses me for, for years and years. When you look at Braga, you know, just down the road and look what Braga have done over the last decade and a half. I mean, Gimaraes should be doing at least as well. You know, they're, they're, even after all these years of success, you know, I'd say that the Gimarang support is, uh, is is more consistent. You know, they start doing well, Gimarang. You're guaranteed 20,000 in that stadium every, you know, at least every, you know, every single game, home game. So, yeah, it's just been really poorly run over the years. They seem to lurch from one financial crisis to another and can never really, you know, seem to build anything with, you know, foundations to... To, to start, you know, improving year on year, and uh, you know the absolute opposite to to Braga. So let's see, let's see with this new kind of financial model, uh, new owners, new investments. Let's see what happens as, as far as the players go. Yeah, you mentioned there, Bamba. Uh, you know what a difference it made when he was, you know, moved back from midfield into central defence and a uh, great player. Of course, I think it was linked to the actual takeover. There was. Uh, quite strong rumours that he'd be going to Aston Villa, and uh, I think it's probably got what it takes to to do well in a you know a more high-profile league. So be interesting to see if he stays, if he if he if they do keep hold of him. I think that would be you know uh, quite an important step for next season. I still think there's going to be a lot of clubs sniffing around uh, Gimaraes. All that Cardoso can do, I don't know how much more he could have done. I mean. He's gone into detail about some of the financial mismanagement that happened before he got there. And I just wanted to read a little, a little quote that came after that, that uh, the sale of, um, as I mentioned, about 40-something, 6%. He said, uh, Vittorio is much more structured with articulated departments serving the club better. Thanks to the entry of the new partner, which received wide approval from the associates, we'll, we will be able to keep most of our players and uh, carry out essential works in our academy and the stadium gradually the club begins to rise to occupy a prominent position in Portuguese football and even in Europe, and we will not stop here. So as I say, I think he's a pretty impressive man. I, I believe him. I wouldn't be too upset if I was a Gimaraes supporter, considering what a disaster they've been. Uh, you know, Miguel Maga um, played pretty well at right-back time. You remember Thomas Handel? We saw him yeah. in that first qualification match for uh, the under-21s in, in Amadora, and he just he copped such a bad injury. But it was so good to see him on the pitch again, Tom. And he had a couple of really impressive performances until he got <laughs> he got sent off after two minutes. I haven't seen it. Uh, did you see it? He got sent off in the second minute. Yeah, just a badly timed tackle, and after just caught the play, you know, a bit of a bit of a wild tackle. I think it probably was a red card. But yeah. Yeah. If they can hold on to him, I, I would expect you know big things from him next season. I thought um, Tunkara, that the French central defender, he's always looked. Pretty decent whenever I've seen him. So if they can hold on to some of their uh, their more consistent and better players and unearth some young some young talent before they get uh, snatched up, then um, the Premier League and Portuguese football is just so much better when Guimarães are doing well and uh, pushing up a little bit higher at the top of the table. Tom Sharps, another uh, incredible season. They got promoted. 
Uh, Vitor Campelos did a fantastic job, uh, although he's not there anymore because he bailed. You talk about mismanagement, Tom. And what, the president didn't register them for, the, for European competition? What, he just didn't think they were going to get there? Didn't think it was a possibility or just forgot to, 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 to send... What it, I, this is no fax machine. What do you do? You email it now. Uh, what, he couldn't send an email to, what is it, UEFA or something? It just, just got lazy. So Campelos is like, mate, that's ridiculous. I'm out of here. Um, and this obviously came, Tom. I mean, they sold two of their better players, Kevin Pina and Batchi, to Krasnodar for a combined two and a half million. But, I mean, promoted club... It wasn't pretty to watch a whole lot of the time, Tom, but, you know, they did enough. And finishing seventh, just an incredible from the Northern Club. Yeah, yeah, really good, really good. I think, you know, much better than anyone expected, much better than even they expected, <laughs> obviously. Uh, you know, if they didn't even register for European competition, they certainly, I think it was because they just weren't expecting to, to be anywhere near those places. Their, their uh, objective was obviously... Just to uh, just to stay in the league, you know, and so yeah, did really well, you know, had some uh, pretty, pretty solid really all, all throughout the season. I suppose last third, especially last third of the season, especially, uh, you know, put some uh, really decent run together. Uh, had one or two real uh, kind of standout results as well. I remember being at Alvalade earlier in the season, and they won two 0 I think. Uh, which, I think may have been the first time they'd ever won at Sporting, and uh, you know played really well that game. And uh, one person, uh, one man who scored that season, I remember, real kind of looping header from 20 yards, an unusual goal was Stephen Victoria, their striker. Uh, centre back. Yeah, they're centre. They're, sorry, centre back. Yeah, exactly. He scored as many goals uh, as, as the top scorer Hector Hernandez. Well, I was just going to say, yeah, that's, that's why I called him a striker yeah. because. <laughs> Yeah, he scored. He was their joint top scorer this season, so that's quite amazing. Of course, he is their penalty taker, so that helps. But uh, yeah, uh, you know, I think he was their outstanding player, probably. I think he was actually voted their player of the season by the Shavs fans. Joao Shado, of course, deserves a shout out. He's really their creative hub, isn't he? Uh, everything seems to go through him in, in midfield. And uh, yes, they got some, did well picking up some good experienced players as well. Carlos Polk, they got him back. He played for them earlier in, the, in his career and he, he, they got him back this season, did another, had another good season. Uh, Nelson Mont as well, is another kind of, you know, regular Primera Liga uh, performer. Also had another good season. So yeah, just really all solid. Certainly, I think getting the most out of a pretty modest squad. And yeah, full credit to Campelos. Uh, fantastic season, fantastic job he did. Yeah, the goalkeeper was pretty good also, Paolo Vitor. I was a bit confused. I didn't see them a whole lot. I went up, I think, I only went up there once for that game against um, Porto. That was a great, that was a great atmosphere. But one little, maybe minor criticism I would, I just couldn't figure out why Joao Teixeira was playing so deep at times. I mean, the game, I can't remember, was it against... I think it was at Belvista, and I can't remember who was ahead of him in the number ten spotter. But I just, I'm just thinking, what's going on here? Like, why would you have, your, like... why would you have your your most creative and best player? Why would you take him out of the ten spot and play him, play him deeper? I mean, maybe that got corrected later in the season, but that's a little minor criticism. Campelos obviously, overall, did a great job. I got a, I got a mate up there, Tom, who's who lives in Shavs and who goes to all their games, and um, you know, at the beginning of the season, I was messaging him saying, look, you know, it's going good, you know, and he's like, nah. <laughs> nah, <laughs> and then I kept saying, "No, you're going pretty well, mate. I think you, I think you'll say, you know, you'll stop. Nah, nah, 
you know, this that mixture of Portuguese pessimism, not wanting to um, to get too high too early. But yeah, I mean, overall they they did really well. You mentioned all the all their better players, and um, it's not going to be easy now. Though I'm not, I don't think now that Campelos is gone. I tried to set up an interview with Stephen Vittoria, didn't happen. That would have been interesting. He's 36, but um, yeah, what a what a great career he's had, and uh, good luck. Good luck to Shavs. It's great to see them, um, you know, hanging around. And uh, it's a great part of Portugal. We mentioned Aruca. We both went down there recently to the Passadichos de Paiva and some of the other really fantastic things around there. And Shavs, fantastic part of Portugal. All right, Tom, Famalicão. Well, they were bad. I mean, they were bad early in the season. Uh, Rui Pedro Silva was sacked, replaced by João Pedro Souza. That was his second spelling charge. Took him a little while to kind of get things going, but... They ended up climbing the table, getting out of any relegation drama. Had a pretty poor end of the season, but finishing eighth wasn't too bad. Of course, Ivo Rodriguez was is been one of their better players for quite a long time. Even Shema, Hema, uh, I've heard his name pronounced a whole bunch of times. I mean, his class was just so obvious before he got that long injury, but when he came back, he's really joy to watch. And, I mean, I'm surprised he's still there. You know, it was just so obvious that uh, he had a lot of talent. I can't think of that many. Panetta, of course, he's sort of been pretty good at out wide. I think Riccielli is a really important player for them. Yusuf kind of looked okay here and there, but overall, pretty much a team performance. I guess Santiago Colombato, um, you know, did pretty well sort of holding things together in the midfield. But overall, I think they can't be too unhappy uh, considering the way the season started to finish eighth. It's interesting, uh, the, the coach, uh, João Pedro Souza at the end, <clears throat> just heard him, an interview with him about a week ago or so, and he was quite critical of himself, uh, saying, uh, you know, with these players, I really should have done better. You know, we should have ended up higher at the league, which is, uh, you know, I quite like uh, that kind of attitude, you know, uh, very demanding of himself. And also, uh, because you you could just stand back and say, yeah, okay, that's not a bad season, you know, Uh, finishing eighth. (laughs) I mean, you know, not many clubs above them who they would really expect to, to to be finishing above, I suppose, maybe just Sharps and Aroca. Uh But, uh, but yeah, uh, I think they, they had some good performances. I think at the, uh, I actually think they improved quite a lot after Christmas. And I remember the games, for instance, the cup games against Porto, uh, two fantastic games. They were semi-final of the Tassa de Portugal, mm. home and away. Uh, a bit unlucky, I think. They they could quite easily have got through that, you know, and got to the final. But uh, <clears throat> uh, absolutely yeah, incredible goal by Octavio to, to win the game for Porto in the second leg right at the end in extra time. But, uh, yeah, really competitive. Uh, the, the first player you mentioned there, Ivo Rodriguez, of course, uh, Ivan Haim gets all, the, gets all the kind of plaudits. And, you know, you can tell he's just such a classy player. But... I was really impressed with Rodriguez this season. And you've mentioned it a few times, haven't you, Matt? Sometimes these players appear for the Portuguese kind of under 17s, 18s, 19s, under 21s. And we think they're going to, you know, we think they're going to have a great future. And for one reason or another, it doesn't really pan out that way, their career. And quite often they end up at the, you know, these kind of mid-level Portuguese clubs. Uh, for instance, thinking like Guga at, at Rio Ave, I think we talked about quite a lot at our last pod- podcast. And Ivo Rodriguez is a is another player I put into that category. He's, he's really fantastic. I mean, that game against Porto, the second leg especially in Porto, uh, he was man of the match for, for my money. You know, just super, really 
just kind of dictating matters in midfield. A really quick thinker as well, quite a really intelligent footballer, very skillful as well and quite aggressive. So I'm, I'm glad to see him doing well. I think next season with the kind of ambition which, uh, you know, Joao Pedro Sosa uh, kind of expressed in that interview, and uh, if they manage to hold on to most of their players, I think it, you know, it could be an interesting season next season for Famalicão. Yeah, I remember watching Ivo Rodriguez in Sydney time. He was part of that under-20 World Cup squad that went to New Zealand. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, if they can hold on to these guys, I'm not sure they'll hold on to Jaima, but, you know, they can consolidate. I think I'll give a shout-out to Jean de Cadiz. I quite like his attitude. I mean, some of these guys sort of came into the squad in the second half of the season, but um, and even... Otavio, the, the young centre-back, I think they just gave him a new contract, Tom. You know, I would, I would be expecting him to kind of get into the team next season. So, Yeah, he was really good again in those in that cup game as well. The cup games, he yeah. was very good. So, um, yeah, we'll see what happens with Famalicão, but a little bit of stability there after really what was a, just a bad start to the season. All right, Tom, Paul Vista, of course, Petit in charge there. They were really inconsistent, doing most of their best work at home. We saw... Yusufa and G have an incredible start of the season. Then he got injured, uh, but he came back with a bang. 13 goals in just over 2,000 minutes. So he was incredible. We've seen uh, Pedro Maliedo, the right back, the youngster, um, really doing well. Makuto and Perez, really the heart of that midfield. Kenji Gode kind of lost his spot. Yeah, I talked to some people there to try and figure out why, but... There's probably some off-field stuff going on there. Mangash was pretty important. You know, he was sort of left back and then he got pushed up into different attacking positions. I'll give a shout-out to Bracali, one of the most consistent goalkeepers, I think, this season. 42, he's just retired. Some decent results, but really a, not a whole lot to say about Bolvista. And uh, finishing ninth mid-table, that's pretty much just where they're at. You could really argue that they're underachieving a little bit. Of course, they are still kind of suffering the repercussions of their forced relegation a few years ago and went all the way down to the third tier, been back in the top flight, what, maybe five years or so now. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I think they're kind of building steadily. I don't think it was a bad season for them. You know, they were never really in trouble, were they, uh, towards, the, towards the bottom end of the season. Relegation was really never uh, a threat. And... Uh, yeah, I'm not sure with Petit. He's one of these one of these managers who he seems to be brought in a lot when clubs are struggling and always does enough to keep them up. But I'm not sure to take them to the next level. Of course, he's an absolute hero there as a one of the players. Uh, you know, one of the key players behind their championship triumph uh, way back in in 2000. Perhaps uh, they're in a little bit of a state of limbo, but Boavista, if they can just steadily build, you know, keep that. I think they, that, that, that's another, we were talking earlier about the need for Victoria Gimarange really to, you know, get their act together for the more good, strong teams there are in, in Portugal, the better. And I think Boavista, you know, they've got the infrastructure, they've got the history, they've got the fan base to definitely get into that conversation as well. Yeah, I don't think Petit is ever going to be top-level manager. I went to uh, the Bessa quite a lot. I mean, it's just such a bizarre stadium because when Benfica or the obviously Porto Sporting, even Braga, I mean, the atmosphere is really good. When it's any other team, it's really can be a very quiet, especially in the journalist area because you're sitting right above where, you know, I guess most of the VIPs and all those people are, but you can't see them because of how steep the uh, the stand is. 
And um, yeah, so you've got one empty stand to the left. There's not really that many ultras on the right side. And then on the other side, it's obviously the top tier is, is empty. So it's a bit of a bizarre stadium to go to from that perspective. I'll just give a quick shout out to, this is a good tongue twister here. I'm not even going to try and pronounce his first name, Tom, but it's Onye Mechi, the, uh, the Nigerian who's been playing at left back. I like his game. I like his game. I enjoy watching him play. I think he was on loan from Fenets and uh, I'm interested to see what happens to him. All right, another promoted team that survived, Kazapia. They had just such a tremendous start, really bringing that solid defense into the top flight. Uh, they never got to play at home because their their stadium has been under renovation or something. Of course, they played that game in Lydia, playing all their other games uh, in Jamor. But um, overall, Philippe Martins, really impressed, did a good job there. I mentioned Vasco Fernando. He kind of lost his spot. Lelo, left back, really good. Of course, we talked a whole lot about Xavier Godwin. Well, they had a few different players up front, and they had Rafael Martins. Of course, they fell away, but overall, another successful season and another promoted club that we're going to see next season, Tom. Yeah, absolutely. You know, they're really, there's, if you said at the start of the season, they'd finish 10th, you know, never in any relegation pro, uh, trouble, spend most of the season in the top half of the table. There's no doubt at all they would have they would have settled for that. So, yeah, another club... Uh, like Roca, I'd say, very good scouting network, you know, picked up some really good players uh, from quite a wide range of, of kind of, uh, you know, countries or, or clubs. Godwin, without a doubt, <clears throat> you know, their, their star man. Great job by Philippe Martins. Yeah, I was a bit disappointed in Romario Baro. I had better expectations from him, but... Maybe he'll get it going next season. You know, he's still coming back from injuries. Maybe Benny, the midfield. I think they bought him from Torofence, I think. He got a bit of game time, and he's an interesting player. So we'll see what um, what Martins can do. And, yeah, I I'm, I'm, can't wait to see their stadium, Tom. I mean, disappointing, <laughs> as I say, but I'd really like to see them in their stadium uh, with their fans there and, and, and see if that makes a difference uh, next season. All right, Vizela. Of course, we saw Alvaro Pacheco sacked, and they brought in uh, Tulipa, and he's gone. He's gone, and there were some rumors that Paco Ayesteran, the the old Tondela manager. I mean, I'm just gonna, I'm not gonna say anything about that. But it didn't happen, and they brought in Pablo Villa, 36-year-old Spanish manager, who will manage them next season. But I mentioned a couple of times, Tom, that sacking Alvaro Pacheco was just, it was pointless. It, it didn't do anything, and Tulipa. I'm not saying Tulip is bad, but if no one had have told you that Pacheco was sacked and Tulipa was managing the club and you're just watching the games, I don't think you would have you would have known. <clears throat> I don't think you would have guessed that they had a new manager. Pretty much the same team, pretty much the same tactics. They had a shocking end to the season. Really inconsistent. Of course, it's just the key guys there. Samu in midfield. Didn't see a whole lot from Kiko Bondozo. Up front, you saw Osmeic. You know, he's, uh, he's an interesting player. He scored eight goals. But overall, I mean, I don't have much to say. I guess central defence was pretty consistent. Anderson and Bruno Wilson. Julial came in at right back. He was okay. And, you know, they did most of their better work at home. I remember seeing them give uh, Benfica a really good game. They were pretty unlucky there. Uh, even Porto had, a, had, a, had some problems there. Overall, I guess, staying in the top flight is, is pretty good for Vizela, considering um, that decision to, to change manager. I saw Pacheco, actually, in Villa Vidente, Tom. Um, he was just hanging around the VIPs there. Um, yeah, he's so, wearing his cap. Yeah, 
Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm not sure where he's going to end up. But, yeah, that was an interesting decision. I don't think it was a good one. But, yeah, they're still in the top flight. And I guess for Vizela, still a recent addition to the Primera Liga, that, that's good for them. Yep, nothing to add there, Matt. I think you covered it all. Okay, Leo Alf, we've got Luis Freire there. And uh, they had a really good game. I mentioned that 3-1 win against uh, Porto early in the season. But... I mean, he doesn't have a whole lot of, uh, of uh, players to work with here. And, of course, we just can't forget that Yakubu, really their main man up front, you know, he had a really good start. He scored seven goals, three assists in, in 16 appearances. But a bit of inside information here, Tom. Well, they shut him down. I mean, there was, a, there was some clubs interested in him. And uh, they just were not going to take a risk uh, that he would pick up an injury and, and ruin that deal. Of course, they don't have any money. And so I think you have to really put that into the, the conversation. But, you know, overall, again, um, just consolidating their position, promoted club again. Costinha, pretty consistent at right back. Guga, again, you mentioned him before. But really, looking through this squad, I just can't see that much else that gets me excited, to be honest, Tom. You got anything on Rio Af? No, not really. Just, uh, again, like I say, a really solid season. It's a, I find it incredible that Ukra is still, is still turning out for them. I don't know how old he is, but uh, he just seems to be around forever. 35. You know? 35, yeah. Hey. One of the great characters of Portuguese football, For if anyone's... Uh, follows the social media. He's made a bit of a name for himself for his uh, quite inventive uh, posts on various different platforms. As far as Rio Ave goes, the highlight of their season was the match you were at when they beat Porto 3-1. Uh, you know, incredible result. I think they were 3-0 up, weren't they, after about 30 minutes or yeah. something in that game. I think you have to give Pereira uh, credit, you know, for, uh, you know, just uh, kind of solidifying. Of course, Rio Ave are a club who were in the top flight for years and years and years. It was uh, quite a surprise when they got relegated. And so I think this season was always just going to be a, a season of consolidation. Yeah, I guess a little bit of a shout-out to Adelan Santosh. You know, he's been around a long time. He's very emotional, and I think he's he's a really good influence and a good character to have around the squad, especially in such an important position in the heart of their defence. <laughs> percent Tom, if you remember, they were in the they were in Europe. They uh, they took out that Latvian team, was it Rila? And then they uh, they had AZ Alkmaar. They lost the first leg. They were they, I think they were losing one nil with about 15 minutes to go. They ended up conceding three late goals. And then in the second leg, Ivo Vieta just completely gave up. He gave up on his players. He gave up on his team. He gave up on the supporters. It was one of the most pathetic things I've ever seen from any manager in any game ever. I just completely lost all respect for Vieta as a manager. He's a good guy, no doubt about it. But as a manager on that particular day, I just, I just, I just couldn't believe what I saw. I mean, to not even try, you know, to why wouldn't you at least try? Get your best team out there, maybe score an early goal, put some pressure on them. No, he didn't even bother. He didn't even bother trying. He just told everybody that he didn't believe in his players, and he just gave up, threw in the towel, and. 
I'm not going to say any more about it. So then they, they sacked him and they brought in Daniel Souza, who was the assistant manager for uh, Andre Villas-Boas for a long time at Shanghai and Marseille. I had some pretty good expectations for Daniel Souza, Tom, but I don't have them anymore. I'm not sure he's very good as a manager. And what a disappointment. Jules Vicente, 13th. I mean, the team is not that bad. Obviously, Fran Navarro gets a whole lot of um, talk, deservedly so. He scored 17 goals. He didn't miss a game. He's a very good striker, and I'm sure there's going to be some better clubs sniffing around him. Of course, they lost, uh, was it Samuel Lino to, yeah. to, uh, to Valencia? I guess if you want to look at some bright sparks, Thomas Araujo, uh, he had a really good season. Uh, 21-year-old centre-back, one of their, their more consistent and better players. So um, a bit of love for him. But, I mean, what a dramatic drop that was from last season, and as I say, getting into Europe. To what happened this season, it was just... I'm not going to say disaster, but it was this was a, a terrible season. They lost 17 games. They lost half of their games, Tom, and they only scored 32 goals. Bad. What have you got to say about Gilles Vicente? Yeah, they were, you know, at one stage it was looking like they could even be in relegation trouble. Of course, all sides in Portugal were helped a little bit. The fact that the, the last two, Passos and Santa Clara, were just way behind all season. So, uh, they, I suppose they... They had that kind of buffer, but yeah, yeah, uh, like you said, just a real massive drop off from last season. Very disappointing to see, and uh, yeah, Lino obviously, uh, you know, a, hu- a huge miss. And can't remember now the name escapes me. The midfielder, the uh, creative midfielder as well. He he left as well. That was a, a big loss. But uh, yeah, really, uh, like you said, if you look at their squad, player for player, you'd have to say. Stronger than Arulka's, probably stronger than Shaves, probably on a par, or stronger than Famalicão or Boavista, certainly than Casapia, Vizela. So, really, all of these teams they should be looking to at least match and probably finish above. Uh, in terms of personnel, I'll just give a shout out to the goalkeeper, Andrew. I thought he was absolutely superb. You know, one of these Brazilian goalkeepers who's just got. <laughs> just known by his first name, an English sounding name, Andrew. Mm. But he's really, really good. Just 21 years old. Very unusual for a goalkeeper that young to be, you know, so composed. And uh, in the big games especially, I thought he's really shone. And, uh, yeah, he's, he's, uh, I suppose, the biggest plus for me for uh, Gilles this season is is his emergence. I think he could be a uh, you know have a real big future in front of him. Yeah, I can buy into that. I think Pe- Pedrinho was the. Uh, That's the one. Yeah, yeah, the, Pedrinho, yeah exactly. The guy. So Vitor Carvalho is pretty consistent. It doesn't. You know, it's pretty much just a straight up holding midfielder. I mean, Madian's not bad at left back. A lot of their players also they they just you know really came down a level from last season i mean fujimoto i remember being really impressed with him well i want to i want to I'm, I'm glad you brought that up tom because i want to i want to go into that and that's a different player yeah we need to take a quick break and just give all the japanese listeners time to maybe just get away from the podcast maybe actually <laughs> we might need all our asian listeners to just you know take the shitsu for a walk and just just maybe take a break because look i don't usually get too negative but i i, I gotta say this Alright Tom, I don't like to get into the negative and criticising players, I mean obviously I just had a quick go at Vieta, 
and I explained why. But Kanya Fujimoto, I think he has to be the most overrated player in the Primera Liga, and it's not even close. And this is this was a huge part of why Silvacent was so bad this season, is because they just keep persisting with him. I mean, he's an attacking midfielder. He plays in the number 10 spot, right? He's played just under 2,700 minutes. Played almost every game. Zero goals and three assists. And I just mentioned that Fran Navarro scored 17 goals, right? So, I mean, what are they seeing? What was Vieta seeing? What was um, Solza seeing? Why do they persist with him? And this is going to sound, well, I guess it's going to sound racist, but there's a bias. I think there's a bias, Tom, in, in some of the Asian players. And it comes down to the hair. It comes down to the hair. And just the way that they run around with... The, you know, they have this really energetic way of, of getting around the pitch and, and the hair sort of flopping around. And I think, it, I think it just deceives people. I think, honestly, in a lot of situations, it just deceives people. Um, obviously, that's a bit tongue-in-cheek. I'm trying to, uh, trying to add a bit of comedy to the podcast, Tom. But no, seriously, Fujimoto... Uh, what are they seeing with him? I mean, as I said, I don't want to go down this negative road, but I just I have to bring it up because every time I watch Jules Vincent, which is a lot this season, I'm just thinking, what, 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 what's going on here? Like, why, why are you persisting with this? Yeah, well, he was just one of these players who's just had a huge drop off because last season he was good. You know, he was good last season. He was imp- impressive. I remember seeing him in a few games and just. You know, he really kind of stood out. But yeah, like you said, this season he's just been a shadow of that player. It's been been really poor. Yeah, it's kind of strange the way the it's just kind of a bit of a collective drop off from the, the the whole club, really. Which which you have to say, you know, makes Navarro's uh, you know achievement, 17 goals, like you said, uh, all the more uh, you know, all the more laudable. That's a, you know, that's a pretty good return for a team that finishes towards the bottom of the Primera Liga. Yeah, they got some work to do for sure. And there's a whole lot of great Asian players around, Tom. I mean, those guys at Celtic, of course, Young um, Min Son. I mean, I saw him in uh, in Qatar. And uh, yeah, I was trying to add a bit of comedy, comedy, Tom. But seriously, I mean, yeah, every time I watch Fujimoto. <laughs> oh man. All right. Well, if you want a, a Japanese player who thrived in Portugal this season or impressed, you know, I think uh, we've talked about earlier about poor season sporting ahead, but uh, Morita, you know, very good season. Yeah. Very impressed with him. Yeah, he was good. Um, yeah. No, I believe it, Tom. I think there's a bias. I think that, yeah, people who don't really see what players are doing, they can easily just get fooled by different things, whether it be the, the amount of energy they bring to the game. Um, and different things, but yeah, I mean, I haven't seen any analytics breaking down. Um, and, uh, uh, let's move on. Okay, Estoril Tom, they started with Nelson Verissimo, and they were looking good, weren't they? We were praising them, they had a lot of young players looking good, but then it just went bad in a hurry, and uh, well, he got sacked. And Ricardo Suarez, the old Gilbert manager, he, he finished his spell in, uh, was it Al Ali? And he went over there uh, with the task of keeping them up. And, um, well, he did it. And, uh, you know, they had a few wins towards the end of the season. But overall, you would have to say after their promising start, it was a huge disappointment to drop down to 14th. But still, as I said, young players coming through, some some impressive players there. Uh, What did you make of uh, Estoril? A bit disappointed, really, overall, I suppose, especially because of the way they did start the season, you know, looked very, uh, very lively. And, uh, of course, Nelson Verissimo, there was quite a lot of um, curiosity to see how he'd do after his spell at Benfica. 
And uh, yeah, but they were a bit disappointing, really. Overall, they <clears throat> never really built on that that strong start. Uh, a few few standout players. <clears throat> I'd say Thiago Santos, the right back, is the player that impressed me most at Estoril. I thought he's really good, and unlike uh, some of the players, he I think he was good throughout the whole campaign. Didn't really drop his level. Thiago Gouveia, for example, started really well first half of the season. The, the midfielder or the wide, uh, you know, right midfielder, right winger from Benfica. He, uh, you know, he looked on fire first first half of the season, first few months, scored a few goals, a few assists, but then he kind of just almost disappeared second half of the season, wasn't the same player. Uh, and, uh, yeah, you could almost say that's almost what, what happened to, to Estoril. They, again, were at one stage, they went through a horrendous spell and they just losing game after game and looked like they could be in, in relegation trouble. Uh, they managed to pick it up a bit at the end, maybe the appointment of, uh, of Sosa. You know, after a few games, he, he got them, you know, more organised and playing better football. And they actually ended, ended the season quite, quite comfortably with, a, I think, a few wins when about, I think, three or four of their last five or six matches. So, uh, so yeah, maybe they'll, uh, you know, get over that. Uh, you know, with with Sosa, it would be interesting to see, uh, you know, how they do next season. But overall, I think they'd be slightly disappointed with how it went. And Suarez is gone, isn't he? Um, I mean, it's hard. Ah, has he left? I'm, I didn't, I'm pretty. I didn't know. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure he's gone. And uh, so, yeah, I think they need to look for a new manager. I guess we need to mention they lost Arthur Gomes to Sporting. He was one of their best players, but still, that doesn't really excuse how how badly uh, they dropped off. But yeah, they're just going to forget about this season for sure. And, uh, and start working on next season. Okay, Porto Menens, another team that were pretty ugly. Uh, Paolo Sergio, uh, I mean, he did enough, didn't he? But uh, they were just bad, bad to watch pretty much all season long. I don't know if you missed it. This is this should actually go into news you might have missed segment, but did you see this time, did you see the, the footage where he went over to a, uh, what can you call him, a, a supporter on the touchline and just gave it to him, <laughs> just verbally. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. He said, uh, yeah, next time you call me, what, I guess it would have been Carayu, uh, I'll come and scratch your eyes out. <laughs> Don't forget what I'm saying. <laughs> so uh, he got investigated and uh, some disciplinary proceedings. And um, that was, that. I don't mind that really in some ways. I mean, some of the shit I see, you know, some of the abuse you see, um, managers and, and, and the press, uh, the, uh, you know, the, where the presidents sit in different stadiums, especially, I guess, Rio Ave, Vizela, place like that. I mean... Just incredible, but put all that aside, Tom. And um, I mean, this was just ugly. I, I didn't get to see Porto Mans that often, and I can't think of really anything positive about this team. Wellington Junior. I mean, I mean you got anything on on Porto Menense that we can be happy about? Uh, Paulo Sergio seems to have this kind of method. He's done it for the last two seasons at least now, which is that they actually started quite well. I think they were after about first five, six, seven games. I think they were perhaps fifth or something. You know, they won a few of their early games. I remember seeing him on a, a chat show here talking about, uh, you know, they're talking about his early success and everything. And then they just fell away really badly, got into a kind of spiral of losing game after game. And uh, that's exactly what happened last season as well. So <laughs> maybe that's, uh, I don't know, it's, it's strange that, that that's the way it seems to be working out. But uh, yeah, did did just enough again, like you said, to, to 
to stay, uh, you know, to stay in the division. I think again, quite fortunate that the the two bottom clubs were really so poor that those those two automatic relegation spots were almost, you know, kind of signed, sealed, and delivered by Christmas or whatever. So yeah, in terms of players, uh, shout out to the goalkeeper. I suppose he was uh, he was quite good. Uh, Nakamura, again, uh, again going against your uh, earlier theory. Goalkeepers was... don't count, Tom. Ah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, he was okay. He was, uh, you know, he had some good games. I remember actually they, this game towards the end of the season when they got thrashed by Benfica. Was it four nil or five nil or five one or whatever? Uh, he actually had a good game. That's that game probably prevented about three or four more uh, Benfica goals. So yeah, but overall, yeah, pretty disappointing. Can't really, uh, you know, think about players who have, uh, you know, who have really stood out or seem to have, uh, I suppose, Pedrão, their big, you know, big centre back. He always seems to put yeah. in good shape. Yeah, he was but, okay. Uh, I think the only yeah. th- good thing about it is we still have another Algarve club in the yeah. Premier League next season. That's it. Yeah, that's, that'd be a, that's... a little Algarve derby. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think I'm going to be down there um, probably around the start of the season. So um, I've been to both those stadiums, uh, Ferenc and Porto Monense, but only for under-21 games. I haven't actually seen you know the clubs play there, so maybe I can correct that and also get to some of those uh, lower division teams. We'll see what happens there. Maritimo, I mean, oh man, I saw them early in the season. Their defence was just so bad. Vasco Siabra, he was sacked in September. Joao Onrich came in. He lasted only nine games. He's in Slovenia now, Tom, managing a club there. And uh, he was replaced by the man in the suit, Jose Gomes. He got them out of the automatic relegation position. I mentioned before they lost 2-1 against Estrella de Amadora in the playoff first leg. Um, so now they're going to have to go home and um, try and overturn that to stay in the top flight. But again, they had a huge turnover in players. I mean, Vidigal was okay here and there. Claudio Vink, the right back, he's he's not bad. I mean, it's obvious that Bruno Jardes is just their most talented player. He's only 25. I mean, I thought he'd be a bit older than that. But, I mean, every time I saw them, I couldn't think, why wouldn't you just put him in the num- number 10 spot and just, just, just let him do his thing? Just give him freedom. Put a couple of strikers ahead of him. Um, get your wingers out there, and that's it. Just keep it simple. You know what I mean? It seemed like the, the managers that we mentioned, Siabra, um, on the leagues, are just, I don't know, it's complicating things, you know, and just, just couldn't get it together. That's sort of my assessment of uh, Maritimo. I mean, their defence was just, just just tragic. You got anything on the uh, on the club from Madeira? A very disappointing season, like you said. He, he kind of fits into that category we were talking about earlier, weren't we? Guga and your your evil Rodriguez, the the shadows. Yeah, I didn't actually realise he was he was that uh, you know he was that young, 25. But yeah, you know, obviously their most talented player, and uh, you know he he looked uh, you, you know he kind of just stood out because it was a team of you know very workmanlike, not really a very functioning team. I suppose Felix Correa, he, he had some good moments, especially towards the end of the season. So, uh, you know, he, he could be an important player in this in this second leg. So, uh, yeah, you know, it's a bit of a shame seeing Maritimo, of course, we're, uh, you know, struggling so much. We're used to seeing them towards the, you know, top half of the table. And, uh, you know, a few years back, they were regular uh, fighters for European competitions. 
So, and of course, with Santa Clara going down uh, from the Azores, it would be a shame if Maritima also went down because I think that would be the first time since I've been in Portugal, which, like I said, almost 30 years, that there'd be no uh, island teams, you know, no teams from the Azores mm. or from uh, or from Madeira in the top flight. When I went to Madeira, I went straight from there to uh, Ponta Delgada to see Santa Clara. And yeah, we mentioned the Algarve clubs with Chaves, with Aruca. It's just tremendous to have clubs representing the different parts of Portugal and the islands. And um, yeah. yeah, it would be a real shame if we didn't have any of them, but I'm sure that's going to be a great atmosphere for that second leg against Amadora. We'll have to wait and see what happens with Maritimo. We had Cesar Peixoto, he, he started the season in charge and then he was sacked, replaced by Jose Mota, who was, um, he has a, a long history with that club. You could say that that didn't work, and uh, but I mean he went to, to Ferenc and got them promoted. Um, whether he's just one of those guys that just can't quite get it together in the, in the top flight, I don't know, but they brought Peixoto back in January and he tried his best to keep them up. I saw quite a few of their games and it was one of those cases where just players just making dumb mistakes over and over again. There wasn't a whole lot that he could have um, he could have done about it. And as I said, he, he tried his best. We saw Gaetan. Yeah, I mean, he, he tried hard, but a lot of sort of older players, Antunge, they brought in they brought in a few players in January that looked like they might sort of help them. I think Matafona, um, was it the striker, the, the Brazilian striker, I can't remember his name, and the centre-back, Maracash, I think. But, um, no, yeah, no, I guess Nigel Thomas showed some early promising signs. They brought in Paulo Bernardo in midfield from Benfica, um, but it just wasn't enough, Tom. And they're going down. What did you make of them? What did you make of this decision to sack Peixoto and then bring him back? Yeah, it was a, they were already done for that the first, I think, 13 games. I think after 13 games or 14 games, they had one point. You know, absolutely horrendous start to the season, just losing every single game, just about. And they actually did quite well when Peixota was brought back to kind of string a few results together and actually give themselves a very outside chance of, you know, pulling out uh, with about six or seven games left. It looked like they might just, uh, you know, get into at least that playoff spot. But yeah, just left themselves with too much work to do. And so, yeah felt a bit sorry for Peixoto in the end because I think it's quite a brave decision of his to go back there, you know, after such a, a like I say, really horrendous start to to the season. And he, you know, the players obviously backed him because they, uh, you know, there was immediately, uh, you know, a pickup in form. But yeah, you know, that uh, you just can't get one point in 13 games. You know, that's just, uh, it, there's no way you're really coming back from that. And uh, yeah, as far as the players go, Gaetan, you know, Gaetan a little bit like uh, Alan Ruiz at uh, Aroca. Mm. I'm always happy to see these players who, you know, have had a, well, Gaetan especially, you can't really compare his career to Ruiz's, but, you know, he was basically one of the best players in Portugal, one of the best players in Europe for 
for five or six years in the glory years of uh, Jorge Jesus at, at Benfica. Absolutely brilliant player. And, uh, you know, it's nice to see him rock up at Passos and, and put in a shift. You know, he wasn't just kind of strolling around the pitch. He was really giving it his all and was usually their best player, I'd say, for probably the majority of their matches. And, you know, you could tell, you know, he's just got that touch of class. It really kind of stands out as well in a, in a team like Passos de Ferreira. Overall, like I say, it was just that start, Matt. You know, you, there's no way a team can can have such a disastrous start and, and survive. Yeah, they tried hard so, and you can't really fault yeah. the effort of the players. As I said, it was just so many individual mistakes just over and over again. Yeah, it wasn't a Brazilian strike. It was Alexander de Gedge. Um, I think I saw him in one of these first games and I thought he was going to do all right, but I was wrong. Mm-hmm. Look, I think it's probably going to be a case of like a mod at Ents, uh, where they just they won't take them long to come straight back up. I mean, yeah, um, yeah. it's a big stadium there. Yeah, I, I'm not sure how they're going to go as far as the off-season. We'll wait and see. I don't think it'll be that long before they, they come back up. So another sort of reboot sort of uh, season. So that brings us on to last spot, Santa Clara. And, I mean, what's interesting is when you look at all these teams down the bottom, Tom, they just, I mean, some of them have played about, you know, 35, 40 guys in, in the season. They just had this huge turnover. They just could not figure out what their best 11 was. And if you if you compare that to Roger Schmidt, who figured it out in about two games, um, it just shows you that you know if managers, no matter where they are on the table, if they can just kind of figure out what their best team is, what the sort of formation you need to get the, the best out of them, then you're gonna you're gonna have much more chance of having a successful season. And so it's the, it's the, it's the managers that just just can't figure it out, that struggle, that just keep chopping and changing, chopping and changing. And Santa Clara were no exception to that. Of course, another team that lost some really important players, Villa Nueva, the centre-back, went to Guimaraes. Morita, you mentioned him, had a good season at Sporting. Three and a half million they sold him to Sporting for Tom. Lincoln was another guy. He went to Fenerbahce. And, of course, Krizan was a guy who left at the end of the previous season. So, yeah, they've lost a lot of important players. Brought in a whole lot of players. Mario Silva just couldn't get it going. Um, and he was sacked in January. George Simal, I mean, he lasted, what, seven games? Couldn't get a win. And then Danildo... How do you pronounce his last name? Is it Accioli? Accioli? Uh, yeah. It must be like Brazilian. <laughs> Accioli or something, I guess. But uh, he became the third man- manager of the season and he just couldn't he couldn't get him out of there. And I mentioned in my report, I think it was that game they lost in, in the Dragão, they got problems off the pitch. There was the uh, public prosecutor's office carrying out searches all over Portugal, Azores, Madeira, and even the mainland, Tom. Uh, because of uh, suspicion of uh, illegitimate use of money, corruption, money laundering. So, you know, when you have this sort of stuff going on off the pitch, I mean, I'm not sure, I haven't followed it up to see what's going on, but knowing Portugal will take, take years to, to, to go anywhere in the, in the judicial system. But when you combine what's happened on the pitch with what it looks like is happening off the pitch, uh, we've seen this happen to how many clubs, Tom? I mean, I've visited, I don't know how many of them that used to be in the top flight, had a run in the top flight, and then very, very poor management. Usually when these things happen, it just it just spirals out of control, and then you end up seeing these clubs in the third, fourth, even fifth division in the following years. What, what did you make of the uh, Santa Clara this season? You mentioned there the calibre of players. You know, they're good players that, uh, that, that left, you know, I was... Lincoln always really impressed me, especially. So, yeah, it was always going to be difficult losing your top players. But, yeah, you know, really disappointing season. Just just never got going, just got worse and worse. I think probably only the last 
five games or so is when <laughs> he said they actually managed to settle on their team. You know, Akioli or Asioli, I'm also not sure how you pronounce it, actually finally uh, managed to, you know, to get some kind of semblance of, a, of momentum going, but it was too late by then. I think they won three matches in a row. Of course, they had that 5-3 amazing loss at, at Braga as well. But yeah, it was way too late. You know, can't really think of any of their players who, who really stood out or you know improved their reputation this season. So, yeah, it's a bit of a shame. Like I said, uh, you know, from the Azores team, from the Azores, uh, we were just talking about Passos de Ferreira, and it wouldn't really surprise you or me to see them come straight back up. Uh, unfortunately, I can't really see the same thing happening for, at Santa Clara, really, for all the reasons you just mentioned. Yeah, I don't know what's going to happen. We'll just have to wait and see. Uh, I think the first time I saw them was, I think, for Malacal. Um And uh, I think they lost 1-0. And I thought Gabriel Silva would, would have a would have a decent season. He was one, ended up being one of their better players, but that, that doesn't really say much considering just how bad they were. They just, yeah, I mentioned already, huge turnover. Had no idea what their best team was and just all season long, just dragging on and on. And it's sad to see. It's a great stadium. It's a great part of the world great part of Portugal and um, I wish them the best but I'm worried about Santa Clara. Okay Tom we've done it Fuck it.